Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul. BlakeRadio.com. Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. And this is Tuesday, November 17th, 2015, and today's topic is Because We Care. Yes, that's what they tell us, because they care about us. So the FDA has taken the nanny state to a higher level. Uh, as they pass judgments on electronic cigarettes. This is an intervention, electronic cigarettes, that has the potential to prevent 410,000 deaths a year in the United States. These are deaths attributed to cigarettes. And the FDA says, not so fast. Not so fast. Let us not allow people to buy or sell e-cigarettes. Actually, they just simply outlaw sale. As with every victimless crime, we simply outlaw sale. And today, we're going to take a look at this, uh, e-cigarettes and regular cigarettes and, you know, kind of what's going on here and try and get a little understanding of the FDA's uh, role here and what's going on. Of course, of course they care. So, e-cigarettes. Supposedly, e-cigarettes have been established as being 95% safer than regular cigarettes. 95% safer. So, in other words, there's a 5% chance that e-cigarettes could cause the same harm that cigarettes cause. It's another way of looking at this 95%. So 95%, no harm, 5% chance of harm. So in other words, if we take healthy individuals, there's a 5% chance that their health might be worsened by e-cigarettes. This is an important number, 5%, because 5% is a critical number in the scientific community and in medicine. We are taught that nothing is exact, nothing is precise. And so we have this percentage called 5%. So if something causes a change of 5% or less, then that change, whatever it is, is attributed to chance alone. That's right, chance alone. So when you do a 
study and you find that the two things uh, have a 5% variance, that means that variance is due to chance alone. So in chance of e-cigarettes, we say, they say, the scientists, there's a 5% chance that e-cigarettes are as dangerous as regular cigarettes. And so we have to attribute that then to chance alone. So basically that would be no proof at all. Let's go a step further and translate this into real numbers. So if 400,000 Americans every year die of conditions related to cigarettes, in other words, had they not ever smoked, then they would never have become ill, then we can say if this 400,000 individual had used e-cigarettes, the number dead would be 20,000, not 400,000. In other words, somewhere in the neighborhood of 380,000 Americans would have a longer life and a higher quality of life had they not smoked cigarettes or had they smoked e-cigarettes instead. That is an awesome uh, you know, benefit there. And you would think that the FDA could just let e-cigarettes enjoy the same status as regular cigarettes. Now, I will say there's a bit of a caution here because the true danger of regular cigarettes really was not known for a good 20 years into it. We are now, in terms of e-cigarettes, um, at least seven years into their general acceptance and uh, relatively widespread use. So as of 08, uh, $20 million was spent by the public on e-cigarettes, and that number has grown astronomically. If I turn my head, my headset was off. There we go. Nope, can't turn my head. So then let's take a look at what the sales are. That's always fun. And what better place to go than Fortune Magazine? Well, it might be a good place to go, but a quicker place to go would be government stat. So let's go over there. And so what the government does is they keep all these graphs and all these sales. And so actually this is by quit day that people who want to help you quit cigarettes. So these are sales in millions of dollars. So each cigarette sales are about $20 million in 08. And in 2014, they're $2.7 billion. That's a lot of money. And so that's a lot of, a lot of e-cigarette use on the part of American citizens. Yet, there has not yet been reported one death. So let's just throw in the towel and say maybe some person somewhere might have died of e-cigarette use. But um, so far, none reported. So what else scientifically you know, can we say about uh, e-cigarette use? Well, first of all, it has a special name. It's called vaping, V-A-P-I-N-G, vaping. Okay, so vaping is not as safe as smokers think, according to research. So I said, oh, my God, dangers from e-cigarettes. Well, I got to know. I got to know. And so what did they find out? They did a lot of research. And, of course, the research was done on mice, even though, there's $2.7 billion in e-cigarette sales. They decided to do these studies on mice. No problem. And they gave these, these mice uh, e-cigarette vapors. And they gave them these vapors for a full uh, hour and a half a day, which, which I found was a, a lot of vaping. The people I know who uh, vape tell me that they uh, just, you know, sporadically every now and then, it's not, a, it's not like smoking cigarettes. Um, and so what they did was they gave them a puff every 10 seconds, twice a day for one and a half hours. That's a lot of vaping. And then they infected these uh, mice with pneumonia bacteria or a strain of flu virus. 
to test how well their immune system can cope. And although they refuse to give any specific numbers, always suspicious, always suspicious, uh, they decide that these mice were susceptible to pneumonia. And further, they measured the free radicals and found that these mice had one received 1% one as many free radicals as would have been produced by cigarette smoke. So now we have some kind of quantitative number here. So 1%, if we equate free radicals with harm, then we can deduce or expect that humans might experience 1% of the harm. So now we're down from 95% to 1%. And again, we still can't say 1% because we don't have 1% of 400,000 or 4,000 deaths per year in the United States attributable to e-cigarettes. So we have established that free radicals are being produced by vape, by vaping. Now we have another problem. In 2013, more than 250,000 American teenagers who had never smoked a cigarette before reported using e-cigarettes. These teenagers probably hadn't done a lot of other things before that they're going to start doing. But anyway, that's another story. We'll stick to vaping. So we have a teenage issue. And one thing I noticed is whenever people say, oh, my God, it's for the children, We've got to worry about the children. What about the children? So that's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go for that one. We'll uh, accept that as a valid concern. So then teenagers are using uh, vaping. The question is, how many teenagers are smoking and how many are vaping and, and what's the difference and can we make any kind of conclusion from these, these numbers. Well, as we speak, the FDA is very concerned about e-cigarettes and is proposing uh, changes or rulemaking that would put 99% of all vaping or e-cigarette manufacturers out of business. So basically, it would either create monopolies, if I'm looking at it that way, or it would drastically make e-cigarettes simply unavailable. Only time will tell which way things go. But let's take a look at the high school students because, of course, as with any drug use, well, what about the teenagers? Um, so, cigarette use among teenagers, all-time high, 1997, 36.4% of all teenagers smoked cigarettes. Now, in 2013, latest year for which numbers are available, 15.7%, call it 16%, are smoking cigarettes. This is a 20% drop in cigarette smoking. A 20% drop in cigarette smoking. How many of these tender children are vaping? 10%. 10%. So 15% are, or 16% are smoking cigarettes, 10% are vaping, added up 26%. So there's 10% that got lost in the shuffle. They're not smoking, but they're not vaping either. I think that's pretty cool. Now, a lot of the regulations supposedly, conspiracy theorists believe in, might be true, I don't know, is motivated possibly by cigarette companies who think they're going to lose sales. Well, let's take a look at the trends. Uh, E-cigarettes came on, the, came on the planet back in, uh, or in the market, 2008. And at that point, only 20% of high school students were smoking cigarettes. And so what we see is cigarette use only dropped by 4% and vaping increased to 10%. So what you have then is you have this piece of the market never smoked, probably weren't ever going to smoke, but decided to go ahead and use e-cigarettes. So I would say to the cigarette lobby, that they've got a marketing issue here. In other words, they are failing to reach these teenagers. These teenagers who quit their cigarette use would have quit no matter what. And so we have, since 2008, only seen a 4% decline in cigarette use, but a 10% increase in vaping use. What that suggests is the vaping market and the cigarette market, at least among teenagers, there's not a big overlap. So the 
you can't really say is a loss there. So I'd say the cigarette companies, they've got to change their marketing message. But there's another group. These are the already smokers, the committed smokers, the 5, 10, 20-year smokers. These aren't teenagers. These are people of 20s, 30s, 40s who are smoking cigarettes and would like to quit. Um, my personal observation for people who have contacted me and people I've talked to is many people have actually quit smoking by using e-cigarettes. And uh, what they've done is they've switched to e-cigarettes, which, by the way, uh, can emit nicotine, and then they've dialed down the nicotine percentage, and then they may smoke an e-cigarette once a week or twice a week. Very interesting. So what we see then is that there doesn't seem to be uh, transferability. In other words, people don't seem to be going or teenagers seem to be starting cigarettes in smaller and smaller amounts. And um, the switch from regular cigarettes to e-cigarettes appears to be small, uh, really not, not substantial. And so the dangers of e-cigarettes, you would think if they were dangerous that, well, there'd be some sign of that. And so, yes, there is some sign of that. Um, E-cigarette poisoning is on the rise, the CDC says. The CDC has been on the case here. They've been watching. And they say that, that this is as of April 2014. E-cigarette poisoning is on the rise. So who is getting poisoned from e-cigarettes? The answer is children. Okay. So the children are getting into these um, preparations. And the parents are calling poison control. Okay. The question is, then what? And the answer is uh, nothing. These children are not dying. These are kids younger than five years old, and their parents are calling poison control. And so 40% of poison center calls are related to these parents whose kids get a hold of their e-cigarettes. But are any of these children dying? No, apparently not. And so uh, there is somebody in the e-cigarette industry who says these concerns are overblown. And he called the findings report a weak argument against the devices and evidence of an ongoing attack on the e-cigarette industry by various anti-smoking groups. So the product is for adult smokers, therefore the responsibility for children's safety, that's people under five, Falls on the parents, just like bleaches and prescription medications, Haley said. The focus should be on parenting and education, not regulation. Well, all that aside, we don't have a death rate. So we have five-year-old children um, attracted to this stuff and uh, no health consequences. Even the doctors have stood up and said, enough. And doctors have said... 42 million people in the United States still smoke cigarettes despite warnings. And cigarette smoking is the leading cause of preventable death in the United States. Obviously, that mentioned uh, pointing the fingers at themselves. The killing is done by medicine, but that's another story. So, counting for one of every five deaths each year. For many, the electronic option may be better. And so, what the doctors are saying is, you know, maybe the e-cigarettes aren't aren't so bad. But they're worried about all the calls of poison control, even though nobody has died. They should be so concerned about death from medicine, or they should be so concerned about death from drugs that are already approved and on the market. Okay. All right. I have to address this in the chat room. The danger of regular cigarettes is still not known because of flawed, skewed, and misinterpreted studies. Okay, so the danger of present regular cigarettes is not calculated through studies. So what is what is said is that since cigarettes cause heart disease, therefore the heart disease deaths are due to cigarettes. So it's uh, and then what they do is they just do population studies. So. This is a cigarette smoker and a non-cigarette smoker. And the cigarette smoker is 
twice as likely to die as the of, of say heart attack as a non-cigarette smoker. So you just take the fraction and multiply multiply it by the total number of heart attack deaths. And so they don't do it by um, this study or that study. What you do is you do a study and you extrapolate to the whole global population. And so the actual number of cigarette-related deaths most likely is overestimated because of the process of generalization and extrapolation. In other words, they don't count each death and say, did this person smoke or did he not smoke, and then add it up. No. If they did that, then you're correct. They would likely underestimate that because, one, it might not be noted on the death certificate that the person smoked, and number two, um, the actual cause of death may not be a cigarette-related um, death. So they don't do it that way. What they have is you have a total cause of death, all the categories. And based on studies comparing cigarette smokers to non-cigarette smokers and the percentage of cigarette smokers in the population and the percentage of folks in the population dying of that particular cause, they multiply the whole number out. So do not count on case reports to determine the number of cigarette-related deaths. I hope that, that helps understand that. Okay, so e-cigarettes, this is the case with e-cigarettes. Now, let's take a look at regular cigarettes. Regular cigarettes are free, not free, but legal. Uh, they're able to be sold to the public. And so now we have this thing called e-cigarettes. So what's the problem with e-cigarettes? The real problem, I think, with e-cigarettes is that regular cigarettes carry a tax on them of anywhere from, uh, you know, 20% as high as 500%. There are places in the United States where a pack of cigarettes is 12 bucks for that reason, because of all the taxes on the cigarettes. And so e-cigarettes don't carry the same tax. And so the the government is experiencing a devastating loss of revenue when people switch from a highly taxed item, cigarettes, to an item that doesn't have as high a tax, that's e-cigarettes. And for those of you who don't know about e-cigarettes or vaping, you have this thing, it looks like an um, ink pen, and there's a cartridge that you um, put in and uh, you can refill the cartridge. So it's not like cigarettes where you have a physical um, disposable entity. And some people who are seriously creative even mix their own vaping solutions. So that puts it totally beyond the reach of taxation. And this is really, I think, the issue. I mean, we've got this so-called nanny state going on where um, adults are treated uh, like children. Now, personally, I'm a non-smoker, don't smoke, have never smoked, don't like smoking, don't allow it in my house. But, I mean, for the government to tell people uh, that they can't smoke in public places or any public place, can't smoke in the workplace, uh, and now we've got teenagers involved. Okay, so we have teenagers involved. It means, I'm not sure what that means. In my mind, teenagers are not children, but the government perceives them as children. Um, so therefore, children's activities have to be regulated. Or why not let their parents regulate their activities? And so what you have going on then, if people stop smoking, you have a big area of human activity that's devoid of regulation, that previously was regulated. So you could tell a person previously where to smoke, uh, where not to smoke, charge them incredible taxes for smoking. And so what's happened is that the government, state and federal, become way too dependent on this revenue. And letting go of it is pretty darn, well, difficult. And so the easiest thing, of course, would be to ban e-cigarettes. Just, just ban them. And that way, more people, at least people who are presently smoking would continue to smoke and that revenue would be preserved. Now the other problem of course is these young kids and we have 10% smokers or teenagers that's not very much. That's a problem. 
And so, of course, the solution is to find something else to tax. And so, in this case, if you take the taxes on vaping and put the same taxes on vaping that you have on cigarettes, then that revenue will be recovered because you have uh, 16% of teenagers smoking cigarettes, 10% using e-cigarettes or vaping, and so you have basically 26% of these teenagers that will be subject to paying this tax. And that would replace actually lost revenue, uh, revenue that's been lost over the last uh, 10 years. So it seems that the, the nanny state, the just because we care, just because it's good for you, is actually a policy just because it's good for the state. It's like uh, any time you have rulers, the rulers or people who make the rules make the rules for their own benefit, not for the benefit of those that they regulate. It's just kind of like the way it goes. So let's look a little deeper into this and see what we can figure out. It's a big, another big problem here. Uh, I don't like projections and future telling because I, you know, I just don't like it because you never know what the future holds. But at any rate, um, the Wells and Fargo securities estimates that the bank and they are uh, they advise investors on what to invest in. So what they figured out is the operating profit for combustible cigarettes is or it did peak say in January 2015 and as we speak as we sit here in November of 2015 profits have been declining profits for e-cigarettes have been rising and what's going to happen is the e-cigarette profits are going to overtake the combustible cigarette profits in the year 2021 and so that is what they're projecting, and that uh, cigarette profits are going to continue to decline. And now they've got this gradual decline of like uh, $2 billion uh, every five years. Or $2 billion, yeah, $2 billion every five or 10 years. I don't know if it'll be that gradual decline in profits among combustible cigarettes, but the increase in profits with the vaping, I mean, wow. Uh, profits are going to go, this is just profits, are going to go for a few million to um, 16 billion in 20 years. So I guess what Wells Fargo is saying is time to invest in e-cigarettes. Now this is going to, or could be derailed by um, FDA regulations. So the issue here then is we have a a government, and I was told this, I'm sure many of you listeners have been told the same thing, that the government cares about its citizens because the government can't exist without the citizens. Therefore, the government wants each and every citizen to be as healthy as possible. And this is the authority upon which the government has an established overriding interest in the activities of and the authority to regulate the activity of its citizens. And so there's this group of experts who are very wise and they know a lot of things. In fact, they know more than private citizens. They know exactly what's good for you and what you should do. It's well scientifically determined. And so for this reason then, the government should be given a free hand to regulate its citizens. We were taught this of doctors, we taught this in medical school, that the government cares because without its citizens, it would be nothing. And so it needs to keep all of its citizens healthy. And it can't allow citizens to spend money on things like vacations instead of health insurance and health care, which, of course, to us doctors was very self-serving because we were sitting here as medical students borrowing lots of money and getting pretty stressed out over it. And it was good to know that the government had our back and was going to keep our future patients from spending money on health insurance, I mean, health insurance, but vacations and cars and bigger houses, and instead divert the money to us, the doctors and healthcare professionals. However, 
let's take a look at this this uh, free radical issue. So, you know, a lot of things increase free radicals. Um, cooked and processed meats increase free radicals even more than smoking cigarettes. That's right. This is why not everyone who has a heart attack is a cigarette smoker. Most people don't even need to uh, smoke cigarettes to get a heart attack. They can just eat, and we have a list here, sausage, bacon, ham, pepperoni, hot dogs, salami, corned beef, and many deli meats. They create free radicals. Alcohol creates free radicals. Uh, no surprise there. And it's a human carcinogen, of course, uh, right along with uh, cigarettes. In fact, it's kind of a multiplying factor there. And so there are a lot of things that are, that are legal and free of regulation. Oh, here it even says oils and fats um, cause free radicals. These things are, are free. They're legal. When I say free, I mean they're free of penalty. Uh, they're legal and they cause free radicals and they cause damage to people's health comparable to the damage of cigarettes. Yet, they're not regulated and not uh, not heavily taxed. In fact, uh, oil, processed meats are considered food and are not taxed. And alcohol does carry some tax depending on uh, where you live. So we've got this nanny state that says, hey, you can have cigarettes, but we don't think the e-cigarettes are are a good idea. It just, you know, it's not 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 a good idea um, at all. And so, again, the, the um, study this study that was done by the um, University of Athens in Greece. And this is 2012, and they decided that um, e-cigarettes are harmful. And they say that cigarettes are giving tobacco companies the means to appear like good guys while killing people softly, and that e-cigarettes are a genuine alternative, offering the best chance to reduce harm from cigarette smoking. And so... A particular professor set out to determine the short-term damage from e-cigarettes. And he had 32 volunteers, finally, a study done on people. It's always uh, a comfort. But he only used 32 volunteers. Eight were lifetime non-smokers. 24 were current smokers. And some were healthy. Others had asthma. Others had COPD. Now we have this 32 volunteers divided into healthy asthma COPD, so it's somewhere around 10 to 12 of each group. So it's getting a pretty small study here, which may not be statistically significant or useful, especially when you consider that there is, you know, 24 million smokers in the United States and several million vapors. Let's say use something called a spirometry test, which uh, determines how well a person can inhale. And they ask these people to use an electronic cigarette for 10 minutes, inhaling the vapors into their lungs. Which again, it's much heavier use than most vapors, people who use uh, e-cigarettes would do. But what he found that using e-cigarettes increased airway resistance for 10 minutes in most of the participants. So most means more than half. So non-smokers raise their airway resistance 200%, which again, the non-smoker, that may not be significant because two times zero is still zero, but two times a very small number is still a very small number. Current smokers showed a rise in airway resistance as well. And people who had asthma and emphysema experienced no increase in airway resistance from using an e-cigarette for 10 minutes. So the people who are sick and had lung disease were in no way affected by the e-cigarettes. Very interesting. 
And so a growing number of people are using e-cigarettes to either stop smoking or cut down on their cigarette consumption, which sounds like it's a darn good idea, even based on this study. And so um, e-cigarettes, just by the way, have a mouthpiece and atomizer to disperse uh, the vaporized liquid solution and a battery. And uh, some of them actually look like regular cigarettes, more or less. So even in this study released July 2015, done in Athens, Greece, by someone vehemently opposed to e-cigarettes, showed that people with existing emphysema and asthma were actually not harmed by e-cigarettes. We do know that their, that their um, illness is continually harmed and the harm is ongoing uh, when they continue to smoke cigarettes. And current and regular smokers do experience some um, increased airway resistance. But uh, it's my opinion that this is more than offset by the number of people who are actually able to quit um, cigarette use and quit vaping. So people actually are able to quit both once they use the vaping as a stepping stone. And so the NIH, of course, has taken a position on this. And their, their position is, are e-cigarettes safer than conventional cigarettes? And they say, unfortunately, this question is difficult to answer because not enough information is available on these new products. So again, if not enough information is available, if you can't answer the question, if you don't know, then is there an authority here to regulate? One would think not. So that's the um, NIH's position on it, that they don't know. National Institute of Health says we don't know. Okay, let's see what Fortune Magazine says. I like Fortune Magazine or Wall Street Journal, any of them, because they give a lot of detail. It's amazing the information the financial industry is able to get their hands on. So this is September 29, 2015, so it's pretty recent. Today's November. If proposed FDA rules are finalized, as accepted, most vaping shops will not survive. Can I give a testimonial of Randy Freer, who was trying to quit smoking? And he found and he was doing very well. He had a battery-operated device that delivered nicotine by vaporizing liquid with flavors, but he found he could not keep a supply of the vaporizers he liked. They were always out of stock. And so he created his own e-liquids to vape. As I said, you can create your own very easily. And he launched Poet Pursuit of Excellent Taste, a small business based in Seal Beach, California, that sells e-liquids. Three years later, he says his company sells to some 130 stores internationally as well as online and has $500,000 in annual sales. That's pretty respectable. But all that could disappear. Now, what they don't tell you is he made $500,000 in annual sales but a lot of that was, you know, expensive. He has international stores you sell to, but part of that was shipping, part of that was the cost of goods sold, and maybe he even has employees. So, I mean, this is a nice little cottage business that, you know, keeping him off the government corporate role, so to speak, and helping him quit smoking. So the rules would require federal approval for most flavored liquid nicotine juices and e-cigarette devices. Require federal approval. Wow. I don't know if you guys have any idea what federal approval means, but sounds to me like very expensive, like a legalized government payoff. So if the FDA rule goes through, it'll put me back into the job market, Freer says. And those of you who are listening, if you're in the United States, you know the job market is no place to be. Okay. So he and practically everyone else in the vaping business, according to one estimate, the approval process would require extensive data collection for each item that it could that it could business and it could cost a business from two to ten million dollars. This is a Wall Street Journal, the Fortune magazine quoting the Wall Street Journal. 
Essentially, the FDA regulations guaranteed death nail to over 99% of the companies in the industry. So this guy who makes half a million dollars in sales would literally have to take 10 years worth of, uh, I'm sorry, 20 years worth of revenue in order to even uh, complete the federal evaluation process. So the Giants produced the e-cigarette brands which look like cigarettes are sold in supermarkets, but second-generation vaporizers, the kind sold by small and mid-sized businesses, are larger, more like fountain pens, and users can customize them with different flavored e-liquids. They also have bigger batteries and cartridges so they can last longer. Under the FDA-proposed rule, there would be a retroactive pre-market review of any e-cigarette or vaping product on the market after 2007, unless they can show the product is substantially equivalent to one on the market before 2007. And for those of you who don't realize it, substantial equivalency testing can cost two to $10 million. Since the industry has evolved so quickly, today's products have little equivalence to the products on the market before 07. So essentially means the FDA is retroactively requiring all products on the market to submit a new tobacco product application. So what this means then is a larger corporation, one that's making cigarettes, easily has the budget to put a vaping equivalent on the market. And so what it does then is it makes the cigarette makers, it gives them a de facto monopoly on the e-cigarette market as well. Then, of course, the government and the cigarette monopoly or cigarette lobby can then agree, okay, now we're going to tax the e-cigarette the same way we're going to tax the regular cigarettes, and everyone will be happy all over again. And so all states except Maine, Pennsylvania, and Michigan have laws that prohibit selling e-cigarettes and vaping products to minors. And so 40 states have uh, introduced bills that further regulate some aspect of e-cigarettes. And the overall theme of legislation is an effort to fold vapor products into existing laws that apply to combustible cigarettes and other tobacco products. And it includes, here we go with the big one, taxing e-cigarettes and vaping devices, prohibiting vaping or smoking is banned, prohibiting flavoring and advertising that is intended to appeal to minors, requiring licensing of vaping shops, labeling laws, and child-resistant packaging. And so then, basically, It's requiring that the e-cigarettes support all the same minor markets that cigarettes support. So cigarettes are supporting an incredible um, licensing industry, labeling industry, and packaging industry. So they want the vapors to um, do the same thing. So. My prediction on this one is people might buy a vaping device, but people will simply be mixing their own at home. And there are a lot of cottage industries, like uh, even down here in Panama where I am, there are people who actually sell vape devices. I didn't even know what one was until I saw a little table where someone was selling these uh, what appeared to be ink pens. And they said, no, 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 these are vaping devices. So it's very interesting. So, uh, cancer-causing chemicals in e-cigarettes. But again, individuals can make their own e-cigarettes, and their own not their own e-cigarettes, but they can, but they can make their own vape liquids and avoid whatever chemicals they want to avoid. So it's very nice. Um, so saying e-cigarettes and other vaping products tested contain high levels of cancer-causing chemicals like formaldehyde and acetaldehyde. And again, um, these doesn't have to be the case, especially if you make your own vape liquids. You can make what you put you, what you want in it. And especially sales to teenagers. Of course, the teenagers, the, the concern for the youth is always a pretense uh, for everything. Yet, many e-cigarette users say it helps people quit smoking. And I'm here to tell you, yes, it does. People who have tried for decades to quit are able to quickly and easily quit with e-cigarettes. 
And they use the e-cigarettes much less than the regular cigarettes. So even if e-cigarettes were equally harmful, you're talking about smoking, like I said, a cigarette a week instead of a pack a day. So even if they're not any safer than regular cigarettes, their use among people who use them is so much less that the impact would be less as well. And so Gregory Masters, a cancer specialist, a doctor, in Newark, Delaware, recently told WebMD he understands the conflicted public opinion. He says, I do have safety concerns for e-cigarettes because nicotine is bad for you, and we don't know all the risks of e-cigarettes, said the oncologist. He says, I struggle when I get asked by patients, should I use e-cigarettes? I don't want to condone e-cigarettes as a healthy alternative, but it could be a less dangerous alternative. It could be. Okay, so we have a cancer specialist saying, well, you know, I don't want to cut down my business too quick here, but, you know, maybe these e-cigarettes are, are better. But, again, if he, if he dug deeper, if he talked to his patients more and asked them, well, these e-cigarettes, how much are you using? How often? Uh, he would find that the volume of cigarettes smoked, e-cigarettes compared to regular, in terms of puffs taken, is less than is, is 1%. So, Pushing is literally decreasing the number of puffs by 99%. So it really does seem to be um, a positive impact. All right, we've got lots of questions in the chat room. So let me see if I can figure out the call-in number here. The call-in number for questions is... 914-338-0695. It's 914-338-0695 for questions. And we'll take a look at the chat room, which has lots of questions. Okay. So a person wants to know, Dr. Daniels, how could a synthetic cigarette made with synthetic nicotine be better than what nature provides in tobacco? Um Many of these vape liquids are uh, actually flavored glycerin or flavored water. And so they use the essence of fruits or fruits to flavor them. And um, the way to think of that is when you use a nebulizer machine, you can put um, water with essential oils in it, and you can use that um, in a vape uh, cigarette. So all the vape cigarette is is a mini nebulizer that vaporizes a liquid solution. And sometimes that liquid solution has some nicotine in it. So actually, um, it can be healing. If you're going to put maybe um, lemon oil or peppermint oil in in water and vaporize it in what appears to be a fountain pen and inhale that vapor, there's a lot of very nice, actually healing essential oils that can be used in this manner. <laughs> As with any other herb, nature does not provide purified components. Okay, so purified nicotine must be as harmful as purified cocaine, for example. Um, the, again, the nicotine is not 100% nicotine, whereas the purified cocaine or the purified morphine is 100% and is super concentrated. And the um, percent or the amount that we inject into people of cocaine when your ear, your nose and throat person um, puts cocaine in your nose to open it up so we can visualize it, he doesn't even tell you he's giving you cocaine, but he does. Um, what makes cocaine so much more hazardous, and what makes morphine so much more hazardous is the concentration is higher than it is in the natural product. But with the nicotine in the vape devices, the nicotine concentration usually is much less than that in cigarettes. People are using it actually to wean themselves off cigarettes, so they use a lesser concentration of nicotine and decrease that. Okay, what do you recommend? (laughs) Dr. Nance, what is your take on Charlie Sheen's HIV announcement? I did not hear Charlie Sheen's HIV announcement, so I don't know. 
I can only guess that he might think he has HIV. Um, if that's the case, then I, again, as the role of most, most actors, you know, his role is to convince the public of something. And so uh, we'll just have to see how convincing he is. <laughs> okay, so in addition to teenagers hanging out in front of convenience stores, asking people to buy them a pack of cigarettes, there'll be more asking, will there be more people asking that someone to buy them e-cigarette products? The answer is no, because once you get the actual e-cigarette, you can make the other stuff at home. And the battery in the e-cigarettes is rechargeable, just like the battery in a cell phone is rechargeable. So these um, teenagers who decide to uh, vape can plug in their cigarettes at home in privacy and mix their own stuff to go into their electronic cigarettes. Okay. The fact that there's no information or not enough information regarding the safety of vaping is suspicious since it's been around for seven years. Is this by design? The answer is yes. So if the corporations with all the money to do all the research are not able to find enough data to research, to support their position, they don't do research. That's the way that is. So if there was a hazard to the e-cigarette that would be favorable to cigarette makers, I believe they would have produced it by now. And again, the bottom line is the poison control centers have not found a single death from e-cigarette use, although many phone calls from concerned parents whose children have gotten into their uh, vaping paraphernalia, but not a single child has died. So that alone would be a testimony to that. Children who get into their parents' blood pressure medications have and are dying, and that's a big problem in terms of toxicity. So the fact that although these kids are getting into their parents' vaping supplies and none of them are dying, I think it's a definite statement of safety. Okay, so the one person in the chat room says the, the e-cigarette smokers he sees don't puff once a week. They're smoking continuously in public. Hmm, well, I'm, I'm older and the people I see uh, smoke a lot less, so it might be an age difference thing. With e-cigarettes, are you getting pure chemicals without any of the natural product? Again, the natural product in many of the e-cigarettes is essential oils. So usually it's essential oils that are used. So are they getting cigarettes or tobacco? No. But that's the whole point, is to not get tobacco and to stop using tobacco. Okay, so another person says, I like cigars as they do not have added chemicals, and I consider them safer than more popular cigarettes. The available evidence is that cigars appear to be uh, safer than cigarettes. Why people don't use them, I don't know. Maybe it's an aesthetic thing or, again, a marketing thing. Could it be that the only harmful ingredients in today's cigarettes are, the, are added in the manufacturing process? Yes, that's actually very likely. And um, that, you know, my observation does support that. And that what I observe is when people switch from regular commercial cigarettes to using organic tobacco to roll their own, their tobacco-related illnesses improve dramatically and often even evaporate. <laughs> Could it be the TSA's groping everyone's genitals is designed to cause fewer people to go on vacation and to buy more health insurance? Oh, that might be the case. They're certainly causing fewer people to go on vacation. I know personally myself, I've... Uh, definitely restricted my travels. Does taking B vitamins help at all in the process of giving up cigarettes? Yes, it does. So taking B vitamins does help in the process of giving up cigarettes. And you want to add to that um, some either magnesium oxide or trace minerals. The other thing that helps in giving up cigarettes 
is changing your diet. So um, B vitamin deficiency is caused by white flour, uh, white sugar, and processed foods. So if you stop the white flour, anything made with white flour, the um, processed foods, then and the sugar, then you're going to find that your craving for cigarettes will actually decline tremendously. It'll be very easy to give them up. Many people though would not would rather not go through that. They'd rather just uh, buy another product, like electronic cigarettes. Does limiting fats and oils in the diet help the liver? Yes and no. Um, limiting the oils that you buy uh, in the store that on the shelf definitely helps the liver. Those oils don't help at all. But eating things like um, chia seed that have been soaked, that helps the liver because it gives you a lot of omega-3 fats. <laughs> okay, let's see. What other questions we have here? What would I recommend to someone with cataracts? Interesting. So with someone with cataracts, I would recommend turpentine. People have been contacting me to tell me that the turpentine uh, has drastically improved their cataracts. So go to vitalitycapsules.com forward slash candida and get your candida clean report. It's free. Download it, check it out, and uh, try it out. Uh, so that's um, easy. The, I won't say easy, but it's uh, straightforward. It works. The other thing you can do is there are um, eye drops that contain uh, vitamins, and sometimes they um, people have experienced that they help their um, cataracts. What is the best food to eat to help smokers counteract the damage? Okay, so the first thing smokers can do is switch to organic tobacco, roll your own. If you can't do organic tobacco, roll your own, then do organic tobacco, chemical-free, already made for you. That would be American Spirit is one brand, but there's many brands. So that's the first thing. Change your cigarettes. Next is the foods. It's the usual uh, suspects, organic vegetables, organic raw vegetables, and organic Cook vegetables, minimize the meats, and that will do the best. A famous cigarette smoker, um, Michio Kushi, um, smoked four packs per day of cigarettes, four packs a day. But he was um, mostly vegetarian except for smidgens of uh, tuna fish. Don't ask me why he picked tuna. And uh, he lived into his 90s. So we have evidence that many smokers can live into their 90s. The name of the game is, as I say, free radicals. And there's more free radicals in your food than in your cigarettes. And that's why not everyone who smokes cigarettes uh, has devastating consequences because there's the other piece, which is your diet. So if you can eat a diet low in free radicals, high in vegetables, then, you know, you've got that, you've got that covered. Okay, we have time for one or two more questions. Okay. Does federal approval mean jumping through smaller and smaller hoops to be approved? Yes. And so um, federal approval means jumping through more and more expensive hoops. And so what it means is our existing companies that have large profits or a large budget are favored to get approval. Okay, that is it. That's the end of today's show. And again, because we care, because the FDA cares. The moral of the story is, is FDA approved, leave it alone. Don't bother it. And of course, the FDA is not there for you. They don't make rules for you or for your benefits. The rules are for somebody else, uh, for sure. All right, we'll see you again next week. And as always, think happens.